0: Hi there. This is Mary. Welcome to Zen Mama and the Addict. I'm again recording alone. Um, as any of you that have been following me know, I started this podcast with my daughter, Kate, Caitlin. We call her Kate. And we recorded through the first season, pretty much. And then Caitlin relapsed. But I do think probably she was a little bit in relapse off and on through those three or four months that we recorded together. So I've been really trying to understand how to go forward with the podcast. And, um, you know, it's just such a hard journey, walking beside addiction. And I know that because I hear it from so many of you. And I know the work of being an addict and going into recovery is incredibly hard, too. And I've learned so much from you beautiful souls that are walking in recovery and it's helped me understand my journey even more and I'll continue to share those stories of recovery so that we can understand what gets us to the other side because we need hope. We need hope for this really difficult journey. And I guess I've decided to continue on this path even though it's really hard for me because I'm still in the midst of it here and right now I'll just um, be really real with you about what's happening Um, and it's really around really understanding the depth of manipulation and lies that go on and I know it's not intentional um But it is a disease, and it's a disease that affects all of our hearts and our lives intensely. And I have these four children I'm raising, and now they're getting older. And what's sort of unfolding for me is they're beginning to say to me, you know, I am really carrying this Heavy in my heart, this conversation I want to say to my mom, which is, I've had enough. I've had enough of you saying you're going to call me back in 10 minutes and not calling me back. I've had enough of you being, you know, picking me up to take me to the mountain to ski and then saying, oh, I've got to go pick up this person. In fact, one of the kids turned to their mom a few weeks ago and just said, it's enough. I've had enough. That's a 13-year-old boy saying, I can't do this with you anymore. You know, it's so hard on everyone's hearts, you know. All those things that we sort of deny ourselves um, the truth of. What I'm saying is that when we begin to see the signs of relapse, we hold such intense hope for recovery that we ignore it for a little bit we compromise our integrity of what we really feel in our hearts and our guts is happening and of course if you call it out if you actually address it straight on with the addict they're going to deny it you know if i say to kate look i know what you're i know you're not doing well i know you're um you're not, you know you're not showing up on time or you're not showing up at all we had ella get left at school not getting picked up again and i could kick myself for how many times i've held such hope for the addict to show up and they don't cuz you think how could they possibly do that again right cuz when they come up from air for air and they realize The abandonment and trauma that they're doing to their kids but then they do it again and then I could kick myself for allowing it to happen but you know that's our journey we hold space for hope right and so we kind of let things slide for a little bit and as I've learned from the people that I've interviewed that both are in recovery and were active addicts for a while and maybe still have someone in their life that's an addict. You know, they tell me we gloss things over, we hold it together as long as we can, and we actually work it so that people don't want to have those critical conversations with us. You know, the manipulation runs deep. And it's hard because sometimes even when I say this, I feel bad like I'm calling people um, out on not being good people, and its I understand it's the grips of addiction, but I'm just here to say it is damn hard, and how do we stay resilient? How do we continue to live a life of integrity and truth and love uh, when we're constantly having someone in our life that doesn't live life that way? It's, it's insanity, and it's such a hard thing to hold space for, and still live your life. So I say I walk beside it, but at times, um, and I'm in that time right now, um, really pretty powerful boundaries need to be set. And it's hard because um, as I was talking to a mom last week, we walk on eggshells because we're afraid that if we do set a boundary or if we do speak our truth, it's going to spiral them into relapse further. But the truth is, We can't stop that from happening. And in the meantime, we compromise ourselves in the process. And for me, right now, in the midst of this pandemic, raising four children, my grandchildren, right? In the midst of this epidemic of addiction, in the middle of January, or it's February now, um, I have to do what I can to continue to rebuild my resiliency because they'll suck the life right out of you. And when you have children involved, you're not just managing your relationship with it. You're also at the same time trying to manage what's best for them as they grow and they always want their mom in their life. I want my daughter in my life. But it's not the daughter I know and love that I'm dealing with today. And I have to somehow have clear thinking about what's best for them. I think about a snow globe. I've been using this analogy a little bit lately. Like, you shake up that snow globe, it's really hard to see clarity. And in the midst of the pandemic and in the midst of our struggles that many of us have related to that and our political climate and our social justices of all sorts, um, and the way we've changed how we live and work and uh, educate and teach. <laughs> um, it's changed so many things in our life. So we're like trying to find our way to the clarity. And in the process, a lot of people that struggle with addiction are relapsing because. There's so much struggle right now, and there's not the resources that were. The groups aren't meeting the same way. I get that there's limited things, but there's still things you can reach out to if you choose to step inside and do the work. Deep breath around all of that. So how do we settle that snow down, right? How do we clear our snow globe, our containers of resiliency, How do we settle down so we can see with clarity what the next right thing to do is? Yeah, and that's why I'm sharing mindfulness because to me, I come back to it over and over again as a tool to use my breath, to settle my internal body, right? To activate the gifts I have in my body, which is my parasympathetic system that rest and digest that calm, stillness, ease that we have to create so that we can create a little space around all the struggle so we can find our way forward. And we have to have practices in our life that allow us to do that. Right? So you have to find what yours is and you have to do more of it. And it's hard. I actually stepped away for a few days. I have the gift of a place to stay in the Northeast Kingdom here in Vermont because all that's gone on recently got it really difficult for me to see clearly my way forward. And my sort of challenge is I tend to overfunction. And when things get hard i um I seem to take on more, and I think it's because I'm looking for um anything I can have control over right and so because I don't just raise my four children I mean my four grandchildren I also you know I have adult children obviously have struggled with addiction um And my son, who's living at home right now in between his undergraduate and graduate year, which is a gift. Just to, you know, I'm just saying we all have a lot of energy we put in a lot of different directions in different ways we want to show up. And, um, you know, and I work full time and I've started this podcast, which is very meaningful to me. And I do some coaching on the side, right? And I am a yoga, I'm in the middle of my next level of yoga training. Because those are the things that fuel me yoga, mindfulness, doing this work, right? It helps to ground me, it helps me to walk through these challenges with you all. And I share what my tools of resiliency are. And up here, it's like, gosh, walking outside, snowshoeing. Skiing in the woods, right? That gets me my connection with spirit, right? I sit on my mat and I meditate. And I bring in the teachers, the spiritual guides that are out there to remind me I don't have to hold it all up, right? I'm not responsible for anyone's outcome here. You're not responsible for anyone's outcome (laughs) You're responsible for yourself and for taking care of yourself and for making choices for what you allow into your life and what you don't. And that sounds so easy, but believe me, you hear me, it's hard. But we can do it, and we can do hard things, and we're worthy of the journey. All those things are true, and I'm here to inspire you to do what you need to do to be well, to breathe, to take some time if you need to, so that all of it can fall away and your snow globe can settle and you can see what's called for next. Even me just stepping away, the kids, two of the kids were here with me this weekend and Bob came up for a day and it was really good to step away and have them here, but this is a day I'm here alone and it's really good for me to have that distance, to gain clarity. So I just, you know, recommend, maybe you take a, a day for yourself to settle things down. I like to write, I like to read inspiring things, real things, listen to podcasts of other people that align with the path I want for myself. And so sometimes we get so sucked into taking care of everyone in our life, we forget what we need. Yeah. And what you need now is probably different than what you needed 10 years ago. And sometimes there's a lot of grief and loss and letting go of the things that don't serve us anymore. But be skillful and discerning of what is grief of loss and what is grief of clarity. Um, they all come when we let go. We let our breath, you know, let go of anything we're holding on to. If we're sitting in meditation or if you're in the woods walking or just sitting and breathing or walking and breathing, just think about your body softening and opening up to receive the breath. Let your breath soften the edges, right? And then as you let As you exhale, just set the intention of letting anything go out with your breath that's not serving you. Our issues get stored in our tissues, right? So does our love and compassion. So let go of that what's not serving you so you can begin to nourish more of the things that support you. And then you begin to see clarity. It's like I think about... um, clouds in the sky, right? And they begin to disperse and you see the blue come shining through and maybe a little sunshine come shining through. So you have to find your way to that. Yeah. So I don't have all the answers. I just know I'm in the middle of the struggle of another relapse and of me having to pull one of the kids back that was spending more time with Kate. Um as she stays, you know, with her ex-husband. Um, but it's too much. <laughs> it's too much for a kiddo to be too close to that, so I have to set a boundary and, and bring um, Isaiah back home, and that's hard for everyone. Um, it's not hard for everyone, but it's hard to make those choices. I know that he'll feel the relief of it being the right thing, because any of you that have lived with an addict... Know that it's an energy that's exhausting, unpredictable, um, questioning. When they leave, you're not sure if they're going to come back. That's how the kids feel. And no one should have to uh, live that closely to it, especially a child, if they can have another option. I was uh, talking to one of my therapists. <laughs> oh, I have a therapist, and I have um, the kids have a therapist. And, you know, Kids just need one. They need one relationship in their life, one strong adult figure that they can depend on for security. And so just make sure the children in your life have that and do what you can to help them get the support that they need. I just know from my work with the kids, um, they all have different phases of life when they understand addiction and don't and you hold space for that. And I get help from, uh, professionals to help me guide me on that journey. And, um, I've just watched it unfold. It's around the age of nine that I've noticed the kids really want to go like, what do you mean? My mom's not well, what does, what does that mean actually? You know, and that's when we started talking about addiction and what addiction really is. And, um, again, I have someone, uh, child psychologist that's worked with us through the school and through her practice to help us with the language about how to talk about that. And I suggest that for any of you because we are so emotionally involved in it. Um, You know, I need to learn all of that too, and I have over the years learned a lot about how to talk to kids about addiction and be sure that they understand... um, it's about the parents being able to take care of themselves first before they can take care of anyone else and have a stable foundation, a home, a job, um, or be going to school. And that, you know, the kids at different points, all of them have shared some level of blame. And so it's just to support them to know that they are not, um, it's not their fault. And the kids in my house at nine, eleven. 13 and 15 understand um, because they say it she's the only one that can do the work to get well and they get that they also get how painful it is and we call it out we call out the discomfort just to say that sucked, my heart hurts I'm so tired of this I'm so worried about her I just don't understand and then we allow that to lose a little power over us so that we can breathe, we can step into the things that uh, bring us more joy, right? So we kind of crowd out. We, we talk about the discomfort so we don't just bury it. And then we practice gratitude. All, what are all the good things we do have in our life, Right? And then we find space to do the things that lift us up. Because despite the struggles of the person in your life struggling with addiction, you don't have to live it every day. It's easy to get stuck in that. But I'm here to encourage you because I've ridden in some really dark trenches with it where I had to be with it because we were going to courtrooms or we were... Like I am right now, I'm having to set a boundary. I'm having to try to have reasonable conversations about what's okay and what's not. The bottom line is they never are reasonable. (laughs) They're never going to get it when they're in the grips of, of active addiction. So you just have to do the right thing. And if you don't have children involved, it's just to do the right thing for yourself. And that is to say, I see you, I love you. I'm here if you need support to get to help. But I'll tell you guys, I've interviewed quite a few people. It has never been a family member that has gotten them into recovery. It might be a family member that they knew believed in them and that was still there to say, I love you. But they need somebody else that's outside of the family to help pull them up, to call them out, that's not as emotionally involved, that understands. They need a sponsor, they need a mentor, they need a community. Now, if you're someone listening to this and you're a family member that's seen your family to the other side solely without outside help, please contact me. I'd love to talk to you. But this is just what I've learned, right? I think sometimes when Kate comes back into her family community, the the fabric of our families changed so much. And um, she's been in addiction so long developmentally. I think she's just, lo- you know, she's lost some of her knowing of how to be a mom and how to be a daughter and how to play the roles. And I don't know if it feels good to her. I don't think it does because she has all these other things deep within her that she hasn't healed. So I am very empathetic to all of that, but I'm also saying you gotta do the work. We all have to do the work, right? We can't just put the edges of the puzzle together. We have to get inside. We have to sit with the discomfort just to recognize it's there, to heal it, to cry if we need to cry, to pain drain through writing if that's what we need to do, to talk to a friend or a therapist, you gotta let it out, and then you create space for new ways of seeing and being with it, for hope, for joy. So I'm looking out here, and the sun is um, coming up, and there's pink in the edges of the sky, and. I see mountains, and I realize um, the strength that's all around us, right, in Mother Nature. And when um, everything else seems impossible, that's why I go out <laughs> in the woods, because it reminds me that we need to um, build our strength. Like if I think of a tree, we need to bring, get our roots well-established, and that's by the things that feed us and fuel us and support us, the people, um, our practices, the things that we feel good about in our life, right? And at the same time, just like a tree has to move with the wind when it blows and when the weather gets intense, um, we have to have some flexibility within that. And so that when the sunshine comes out again and the weather gets still, we're still strong, right? That's our resiliency, our ability to come back from hardships, from challenges over and over again. And believe me, in the midst of this pandemic, we're all being challenged in that way. We're being challenged because we don't know when life is going to go back to normal, quote unquote, whatever that is, our new normal, Because, you know, we like certainty. It'd be nice if we could know when that was going to happen, when this vaccine, if it's going to work or not, and when um, the masks might go away. But we just don't know. And we're grasping at solutions. And that's okay. We're just doing the best we can as humans, as scientists, as um, souls. Souls living this human experience. Yeah, and sometimes when you can remember that, it lets some of this struggle fall away. Like, I'm just a soul going through this life, right? And this stuff comes and goes, like the wind comes and goes. And the best I can do is to breathe and stay resilient and try not to attach to it. This is where some of the Buddhist um, principles that really have served me, uh, Pema Chodron, if you've ever seen any of her stuff, she has a book called The Places That Scare Me and it's um it's about how we sit with discomfort instead of pushing it away we actually let it soften our heart open a little light to shine through right cuz when we're in those raw moments of real hurt It's really when the biggest light can shine. So maybe that's the gift of us having to walk through this challenging um, life of someone that's struggling with addiction or so many people struggling with addiction or the pandemic and how it connects us all. Like maybe it allows us to soften. She uses this um, little um, story in her book. She was a young girl. She was walking down the street, kicking a can, mad at the world, feeling unloved and lonely. And there was this old woman standing or sitting in the sunshine, and she saw her and she said, Oh, little girl, don't go letting this world harden your heart. Right? We can let the circumstances of our life have us armor up and protect our heart and harden us and build anger and resentment. Or we can soften. We can let go of all of our attachment to the anger and the hurt or just see it for what it is and let us soften around it. We have that choice. Our breath can help us soften, coming into stillness, acknowledging what's there, feeling the pain, Right? I've used that analogy of rain, recognizing, acknowledging, investigating and nurturing. Right? So when we feel this, we recognize I'm angry and I'm hurt and I'm tired of this journey. Right? And I feel that. You acknowledge it belongs. It's okay to feel all those things. It's a natural response to this journey we're on together. But then you pause and you investigate. You say, where am I feeling this in my body? Right? How is it showing up in my life? Who am I reacting to with this anger and resentment and worry and fear? How am I showing up? Where do I feel that? So you investigate it with just an open tenderness to yourself. Right? And then you nurture that. You nurture it in the way that you say, it's okay. And you remember who you are. And maybe you put your hand on your heart, right? And you send some love to all those places that feel wounded. And you wrap that in loving kindness. May I be happy. May I be at peace. May I find ease and contentment. May I feel love and compassion. And you begin to nurture the things in your life that support you and help you to rise up over and over again. Because this is hard. This is warrior work. But you're worthy of it. We're all worthy of it. And I don't think we'd be given this journey if it wasn't to help us grow, right? And to connect and to share. So this is an opportunity if you choose to see it that way. But I'm just empowering you to take care of yourself. Give yourself permission to take care of yourself. So that you can let that snow globe settle, so you can see the clouds leave and the sky blue and the sunshine, so that you can get clear on what the next right thing for you to do is. And so that if you set a boundary, it's out of love for yourself and others. And then, no, you always have the power of choice. And stand in your truth, right? We've talked about that's uncomfortable. But stand in your truth. It allows others to stand in their truth. So you can evolve, continue to evolve into the beautiful, truest version of yourself. Yeah. That's what I aspire to do. That's what I invite the children and the people I care about in my life to do. We're all worthy of the journey. Brene Brown says, like, we can't protect our kids from struggle. We can't protect ourselves from struggle, right? We're hardwired for it. But we're worthy of the journey. So it looks to me like the sun's going to shine today. The sky's blue. I'm really excited about that. And thank you. I hope this is um, an episode that speaks to some of you. If it speaks to one of you, then that's a good thing. <laughs> I know I'm not alone on this journey, and that's what gets me through. And I do pray. I do pray that um, Kate can get back on this with uh, podcast with me. Um, But she's not there now, and I don't see that happening for a little while. Because I really want her to do the work. I really want her to find her way to healing. Yeah. I love you all. Thanks for being on this journey with me. Have the best day you can, and find one thing to celebrate. One thing to do for yourself, to wrap yourself in a little love. Right, Because the more we do that, the more we can turn and share that with those in our lives. And together we heal. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode of Zen Mama and the Addict and for being part of our extended family. We love you guys. Have a wonderful day. Be sure to check out our website, which has a link to our social media pages, Instagram and Facebook. Remember, we can do hard things, right? We can't stop the struggle, but together we can learn how to serve.